What has China done to begin at least to get its arms around coronavirus that maybe we can learn from here? Well, they mishandled this desperately at the beginning, right. as you say. Uh, but, but since then, the recognition that Xi Jinping had personal vulnerability in not reacting effectively to coronavirus led to an extraordinary amount of direct quarantine, over 70 million people in the most severe quarantine surveillance state that we had ever experienced in the history of the world. And as a consequence of that, their new cases are now down to virtually nothing in the double digits on a daily basis compared to the total of almost 100,000 that we've heard. And that's meant that their economy has started to restart. It is restarting more slowly than they would have liked precisely because they don't want further outbreaks and that's going to have an economic implication. The other thing I'd mention more broadly, say what's China doing, is they're responding with propaganda very effectively against the United States, inside Chinese media, the amount of anti-U.S. propaganda you're seeing is immense compared to when we had the China deal with the United States when they were being much, much based, softer. Based on what? It obviously started there. So what's the anti-U.S. propaganda? Based on the Americans going out and saying, well, you know, this is the Wuhan flu, it's the China flu. You're seeing that from the Republicans. You're seeing that from the Trump administration, from President Trump himself. And also with some of the talk of, well, now this is going to bring manufacturing back to the U.S. The Chinese, the official spokesperson of China yesterday came out and actually floated a conspiracy theory that this originally came from the American military. Now, come on, China. That's our friend Ian Bremmer. So good, we thing like. good thing we're not totally dependent on China for a lot of critical goods, including medical goods. So they're working hard in China to try to make this seem like it's an American thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we're and I think we're countering that by 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 making it clear it's a communist Chinese thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's racism. I think or it's xenophobia. Just, Shut up. Countering their narrative. Right. Right. And it's accurate. Yeah. So that that's that that is something though the the idea of China being able to lock it down if they have to. It's like the when we talk about you could eliminate drunk driving if you had police checkpoints everywhere. Right. You'd eliminate drunk driving. Right. But you don't want to live in a society like that. Right. China doesn't care. So they were able to lock down the coronavirus by just, okay, we're going we're gonna to literally weld to shut your metal door on yeah. your house. And if you die in there, we don't care. Or starve or whatever. It's not, it's not our problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's something. Um, do, do we have more clips about my favorite? Um, perhaps I'd misunderstood where we were going with that. About my favorite uh, issue, and that's our dependence on China for critical um, prescription drugs and medical equipment, that sort of thing. We need to end that right now. Uh, U.S. pharmaceuticals that are supplied by China, 95% of ibuprofen, 91% of hydrocortisone, 70% per, um, of acetaminophen, and 40 to 45% of penicillin comes from China. So what's the impact in terms of trying to get all of this that we definitely are going to need right now? Is China slowing it down for us? At the moment, there's not much evidence that the Chinese are slowing it down, but this uh, morning, the Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson was accusing the United States of possibly starting and spreading coronavirus to China. When the Chinese officials are making these sorts of claims, and they are such a major producer of American drugs, there is an implicit threat there that China could choose to slow down its exports of drugs to the United States. But there was an an explicit 
opposite threat the other day in one of the mouthpieces of the communist regime saying, essentially, you guys mess with us, we're going to cut off your supply of drugs. They said that. If that is not enough to wake up the American people to the national security risk, this is a, this is a malign regime in the worst sort of ways. They're evil. You don't like fancy words. They're evil, they're aggressive, they hate us, and they want to conquer us. And, and we, we are on our knees begging like junkies to our evil drug dealer for the drugs that keep us from having heart attacks or keep our blood pressure down or keep anxiety and depression from killing us and the rest of it. Give me my erections. Right. You have a right as an American. Please. I think this is important enough to play again, but listen to the percentages of these very common drugs that we get from China. Uh, U.S. pharmaceuticals that are supplied by China, 95% of ibuprofen, 91% of hydrocortisone, 70% um, of acetaminophen, and 40 to 45% of penicillin. It would easily be achy and itchy. Thanks to China. 90% of our ibuprofen. So uh, the drug thing might be a national security event that Republicans and Democrats come together and we just decide we have to make that stuff here. But I've been arguing in general for cheap Chinese crap that Americans should pay more and expect better. Mm -hmm. Just in in terms of get a DVD player that isn't just crap but Hmm. costs more than $39 and will last a couple of years. Uh, Maybe now... One, I just think that's a good idea from a purchasing standpoint. It's actually cheaper in the long run to have washing machines, whatever, that last longer. Um, I wonder if we could get people in the habit of that if you include, look, it's slave labor. Look, they're trying to jerk us around. Look, they're giving us diseases. Right. This is why we should buy, we make stuff in America or someplace more expensive than China, and it's better. Right. In all kinds of ways. I made this point earlier in a little different way, but... For instance, the state of Cal Unicornia, which forbids official travel to, what is it, 11, 12, 14 American states because their their bathrooms aren't woke enough. They, they, they don't have the right transgender bathroom policies. Meanwhile, the state of California has millions of dollars invested in a regime that has concentration camps. I'm not sure what their transgender bathroom situation is, Gavin Newsom, but they have concentration camps, you phony, virtue-signaling dumbasses. It's insane that we are... that we have an economic leash around our neck with China holding it. It's just too nasty regime. The great experiment of bringing China into the modern world by uh, liberalizing them economically and more and more trade, more and more relationships, it did not work. And it's just, it's a terrible idea. You're speaking of the long run. We need to recapture the idea of thinking in the long run, just as a culture, I think, in a lot of different ways, including... Uh, having that Chinese leash around our necks. Man, I hate that idea. And and when they yank on it, it is going to hurt bad. And they will. It's not like they might conceivably, if these 14 factors fall into place. No, it is absolutely inevitable. And Ian Bremmer, speaking of Ian Bremmer, he, he, he wrote a piece, I have it around here somewhere, about the likelihood of a Cold War with China starting pretty quickly. Man, we need to start planning for that. Hey, Apple. How about you have those uh, those uh, fabulous iPhones uh, assembled in Mexico or, or El Salvador? Start researching that right now. 
Well, part of what the commie virus has done is uh, take sports away from all of us. Oh, and, I know. And, and on Sunday, instead of watching the conference championships of March Madness, which I love, the only thing to watch is going to be two old men yelling at each other in an empty room. That's the Democratic debate between Biden and Bernie with no crowd that is happening Sunday night on a day with no sports. And we're going to talk to Lan He Chen about politics and that and other stuff coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. This Sunday will be the first one-on-one debate between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and it's going to be a little different than the previous debates. Due to concerns about coronavirus, there will be no live audience in attendance, which begs the philosophical question, if Joe Biden makes a horrible gaffe and no one's there to hear it... Does it still make you cringe? I still can't wrap my head around the fact that I'm not going to be watching Kansas and Duke and whoever play basketball, but I will see two old men argue in an empty room. Yeah. The Masters is beyond my Super Bowl, and I love baseball more than some family members, so you can imagine my frame of mind. Uh, Lonnie E.J. Chan joins us. Lonnie is the Dave and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University, among other accolades. Lonnie, how are you, sir? Boy, no hockey, no baseball, uh, no basketball. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself for the next couple weeks. What am I going to do, read? We were talking earlier, if this continues for a while, (laughs) if this continues for a while, it's likely... So if my kids are out of school and everything's closed and there's nothing going on, we're getting, it's going to be kind of an interesting little period we go through here. Yeah, yeah. Well, just well, someone someone said on Twitter. I thought it was very good. This will be the ultimate test for marriages and for relationships with family. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So listen, let's talk a little politics. It is my opinion, Lonnie, that uh, Bernie Sanders has essentially strapped himself in a suicide vest and is going to go into the debate with old man Biden the other night and maybe blow him up. Um, Am I nuts or what? No, I think he's made pretty clear. I mean, he gave that speech, was it yesterday or the day before, where he said, you know, I've got some questions for for Joe Biden. And, and, you know, these are not questions that can be answered well by Joe Biden. And certainly I think it is Bernie Sanders' strategy to use this debate to to take him down because he realizes, you know, he's desperate now. He realizes if he cannot take Joe Biden down in this debate, the contest is over. Look, I think the contest is basically over now. But Bernie Sanders believes this is his last best chance to impact the race. And a, a, a desperate man is a dangerous man. Right. We've all seen the scene in the movie where the hero is triumphed in the fight and then the bad guy reaches up and stabs him with a knife nobody knew was there. And listen, bad guy might still lose the fight, but he is really, really damaged, you know, in this metaphor, Joe Biden. Why is the Democratic Party allowing this to happen? Well, I, you know, I think they have to because if they don't, the, the standard supporters are really going to go nuts. They're going to go nuts and, you know, anyway. That's my guys. my theory. Is there, you're not going to yeah. win over the hardcore Bernie crowd anyway. You, you could, there's only downside to putting Biden in a room with him Sunday. But what's your opinion? Well, I, you know, I think I think the, for optics' sake, they feel like they have to, and and the debate was scheduled, and it's the opportunity for them to go one on one. Imagine the outcry. Imagine the amount of backlash the Democratic Party gets 
if they if they really look like they're trying to take this away from Bernie. And you know, some would argue that the the, the rules that have been put in place, uh, you know, make it harder for Bernie. Now, I think for Bernie, those are rules he agreed to. And by the way, when well, he, he insisted on them. Yeah. And, and, and when he was ahead of the delegate race, he was the one saying, no, 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 the person with a plurality, you know, that 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 person will be the, the nominee. So, I look, I think they're doing it because they feel like they have to. But I think it's a very, very risky proposition for Joe Biden. No hey, question about it. I could I could talk about this the, the whole time we have you on and, and maybe we will. But this is breaking news. The president of Brazil has tested positive for coronavirus. He's the highest-ranking world leader with coronavirus. Canada's Trudeau doesn't count. But he dined, mm-hmm. he dined with Trump on the 7th. So that's fairly recently. Yeah. If, if Trump tested positive, for, if, if he ends up with corona, how do you think that would play out politically? Oh, my goodness. I mean, that would be, <laughs> you know, there, there, there would be, first of all, we'd see a, a market shock like you've you've not seen already. Well, that's hard to imagine. So, you know, what? I know, but but, but really, keep that your to yourself. Yeah, don't say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. Call I your think, broker, but don't say thing. it out loud. That's one thing. Um, I you know I think it will I think it will create some serious um, you know political challenges because you know he's he's not a young guy. I, I mean he's actually pretty healthy, so it appears for a guy his age, but he's not a young guy. So you know people are going to have to keep an eye on him. And, you know, I, it, it, it's going to create – it will change the political dynamic fundamentally. You know, all the bickering, all the partisanship. I, I actually think and I would hope that if he were to be ill in that way, it would go away, you know, at least for that period of time. But, boy, that would be something. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to fathom. I, I don't want to imagine that that's the case. I mean, regardless of how one feels about a political leader, you never want them to be sick in that way. Right. Well, put uh, it- but, Wow. Lanhe Chen's on the line. Uh, Lanhe, putting aside the fact that, A, it's a bilateral choice when it comes to an election, and, B, um, Donald J. will be running against either an ancient borderline communist or Joe Biden, who's really showing signs of weakening, putting those things aside, um, to what extent do you think Trump's reelection will rise and fall on the response to the coronavirus? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's almost entirely. I shouldn't say that because you know we we know that politics the cycles turn over so quickly, hmm. and and God God willing, if this is all kind of behind us by the time we get to the summer, there's still a whole other lifetime before the election. That having been said, I think this is going to be a formative part of people's opinions about how Donald Trump has handled the job of president. Uh, it, it is a crisis that is you know here in California, obviously we see it every day, but now I think people across the country are really starting to see this is a major, major, not just public health crisis, but human crisis. And how the president handles it, I think, will be influential in how people view him when it comes time for re-election in November. I think he has uh, renewed his sense of caution about what he says and doesn't say, because there were a couple of missteps early. Well, there, there were missteps. I mean, certainly in what he said, look, there's no excuse for that speech the other night having the errors it had in it. The reason you have prepared text is so that you can vet it and avoid those errors. Having been involved in a lot of speech writing over the years, you know, that, that shouldn't happen. doesn't mean that it doesn't, but it shouldn't. The other thing I would say is, you know, every crisis has a moment that crystallizes public opinion about how the leader is doing. So Katrina for Bush were the signs of people stuck in the flood saying, please help us, right? Every crisis has a moment. The the coronavirus crisis, to me at least, that moment could be this lack of testing. 
that really could be the, the thing that crystallizes in people's minds Trump's handling of it. And, and look, some of this is beyond his control, no question about it. But it is unconscionable that we still do not have access to testing for people who want it in this country. Hey, it is unconscionable. Um, uh, I just wanted to ask this. So uh, it seems like part of the strategy from uh, Republicans is going to be really hammer Biden on every gaffe or, you know, mental senior moment or whatever. Do you think yeah. that's a good angle? In 30 seconds or less, por favor. Well, I, you know, look, I think I think it's probably the, the angle that they think is best at this point, given that Joe has shown that he's not the same candidate he was several years ago. So, you know, I, I think they'll pursue two angles. One will be corruption, Washington insider, swamp monster, and the second will be sort of mental competence. And I think they're going to go up both of those very hard. Wow. It's always interesting in, in this one. Oh, my gosh. I'm not sure I'm strong enough. But we'll uh, live through it together. Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution and Stanford University. Always informative. You're the best. Thank you. Take care, guys. Great to talk. Is this a, like a full 90-minute debate Sunday night? Yes. Two people, no crowd. That's going to seem like a long debate. Yeah. There's plenty of time for Biden's mind to wander and for him to say something wacky. <sighs> And Bernie's big applause lines, and millionaires and billionaires in an empty room is going to seem weird. Quit yelling at me, old man. I can (laughs) can hear hear you fine. (laughs) You don't have to talk so loud. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Quit yelling. Quit yelling at me. The dynamics of that are going to be so strange. Yeah, and I don't think uh, either one is going to cover themselves in glory, as they say. We'll see. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I spoke with one gentleman who was uh, the oh, he's a chef at a restaurant. He had just lost his job effectively that morning uh, because he works in this restaurant that has been shut down. All of the restaurants, bars, cafes, most businesses have been told to stay closed. So he went to his restaurant to try to rescue thousands of dollars worth of food to try to bring home. It was all going to go to waste. And he decided to stop in the street and snap a picture of how vacant the street was. The police came up and uh, they had some words for him. Here's what he told us. The, the police find me. How much did they find you? 60 euro or maybe 80 euro depends. And they ask uh, my our certification of uh, where I work. Where I'm, yeah, you need to have a paper telling where you work, where you're going. Uh, a limitation of your freedom. Of How do you feel about this? It's a bit ugly. Man, that's something. Could that happen in the United States? Steps out in the street to take a picture of how empty it is, and the police show up. Wow. Find him. Could that happen in the United States? More mm. on that in a second. Mm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Europe... Got a note from a friend whose daughter is uh, studying abroad in Spain. They've just declared a state of emergency, and when he texted me, she was on a bus that had stopped and was waiting for a speech from the president to let them know if they're all under general quarantine before they keep going. Who even knows what that means? Right. Yeah. They might. Although not. if you're hanging out in a ho- like a hotel for two weeks with a bunch of hot Spaniards as a young person, yeah, you'd be all right. Yeah, I guess unless you're all coughing on each other. 
But a lot of kids who live on campuses, they'll close the campus and say, no, you've got to find somewhere else to live. And if you're studying abroad, what are you supposed to do? Well, get a flight, I guess. So One of the few flights to the U.S., since nobody but citizens and, and military members and people who have business here can, can come. Europe's the new China, and Italy's leading the way. And New York Times with this headline, Italy's health care crisis is a warning to the world. Italy's health care system groans under coronavirus, a warning to the world. Let me read a couple of paragraphs from this story, because it's pretty interesting. And this is what we're trying to avoid in the United States. By canceling all the gatherings and everything like that, so we don't have the instant explosion of cases. Maybe we end up with the same number of cases, but it's spread out over a year and a half, so our hospital can keep up. But I'll read this. In less than three weeks, three weeks ain't very long. In less than three weeks, the virus has overloaded hospitals in northern Italy, offering a glimpse of what countries face if they cannot slow the contagion. The mayor of one town complained that doctors were forced to decide not to treat the very old, leaving them to die. In another town, patients with coronavirus caused pneumonia were being sent home. Elsewhere, a nurse collapsed and became a a photographic symbol of the overwhelmed medical staff. Maybe you've seen that picture floating around. Even hospitals in developed countries with the world's best health care risk becoming triage wards, forcing ordinary doctors and nurses to make extraordinary decisions about who's going to live and who's going to die. Wealthy northern Italy is facing a version of that nightmare already. And to make the point several times that this is first care or first world health care and the richest part of the country. It's way worse in southern Italy if it spreads there. Wow. We have the advantage of, and, and the WAPO grudgingly admitted this, we have a lot more ICU beds and a lot more equipment than Italy and similar countries because it's so profitable for hospitals. If somebody needs an ICU bed, they want to have it for them because it's really expensive. So we do have that going for well, us. Well, they were making the opposite argument in the New York Times, um, that, uh, and it didn't quite hold together to me. You can't do an article about how they're telling old people, sorry, you're just going to have to die, and then point out several times that if we had universal health care like they have in Italy, we'd be able to do X. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't really heck? doesn't really work for me. Yeah, well, again, it's worth knowing. If you're a reader, read uh, Steve, Stephen Brill's A Bitter Pill about the American health care system and its problems, and there are plenty of problems. that You know, the government isn't where it should be and is where it should not. Um, I'm not saying there's no reform needed, but uh, to, to substitute our system for the with the Italian system, no thank you. Not, well, what's the matter, you? That's where the doctors are all graduating from. So we just talked, we got into this conversation off the air, so I guess if it was interesting, uh, interesting enough for us to continue it during the commercials, hopefully it's interesting enough to you that Bernie and Biden are going to debate for 90 minutes in an empty room on Sunday night. With it, what it would seem is one of the candidates hell-bent on taking down the whole party, or at least putting them in an awkward position. Bernie is absolutely in it to win it and does not care what damage he does. That is Bernard Sanders. Become, that's the man. Uh, that's become clear. Well, he's, he's in a unique position, and he's not a Democrat. No, and he thinks he's on some sort of sacred quest from his god, Karl Marx. So he doesn't care who he damages. Take a look at his followers the, with their online brutality. When you, when you feel like you've been anointed by God, you, you kill people. Or, or you certainly hurt them, and you figure, well, we're on a secret mission. The no crowd is going to be weird. 
we're used to big lines and applause. Right. Or or or, or big line and a boo. Just nothing. Yeah. Well, you won't have to go strange. with greeting card slogans. You have to make sense. But do you think that favors more than no audience? I think it favors Biden. I think to Ber- some extent it does. Because Bernie's really good at getting the audience on his side, and he's usually good at packing the audience full of people that agree with him. Mm-hmm. And he's big on applause lines. And he's big on applause lines. I tell you what, though. The the main problem for Joe Biden isn't the uh, the audience or the lack of one. It's that there are just two of them, and he can't hide. Yeah, here's where it's a disadvantage, maybe, Sean, is that the audience at least eats up a little time. <laughs> if it's 90 minutes of talking, that's a long time for Biden to go without having a... You know, record players in Venezuela and corn pop and I at the pool and right. my hair's floating. Right. No, he oh say Randy bushwhacking, <laughs> horn swaggering, crocker crocker. Right. He's gonna roll away, Mrs. Cutter. That's Joe Biden in his uh, yeah, coronavirus good. speech. Uh, I is, tell you, is 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 Bernie hardball enough to just try to 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 maneuver Biden into long, complicated conversations? And expose him as a as mentally inept. He won't have to. He will not he have to. Doesn't even have to try. Nope. Just show up. That's all he has to do. Where? Hey, Joe. Quick question. Where are we right now? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, no, no. In fact, and, and nine I, plus nine. <laughs> while I believe Bernie to be wildly misguided and and uh, touting an evil, evil philosophy, he's a smart guy, and. And apparently likes Joe. That's what the behind the scenes. Uh, Joe is the only really? person that was nice to him in the Senate. I, huh. Well, um, and well, not only, but uh, listen, strategy wise, if you if you if there, you were watching a conversation between your granddad and another person, and your granddad was showing real signs of being uh, having mental problems and and starting to fade, it would make you sad. If you noticed that other person trying to pick on your grandpa mm. to show that you're feeling bad. You'd still feel bad, but you'd feel angry at that other person. You're probably right. So but Bernie's just going to go. Bernie could show up with a series of questions, and every 10 minutes he just sits, quick question, Joe, what day is it? Oh, no. No. <laughs> See, no. No. <laughs> Not today, Esther. Not, not today, Esther. We'll get it back it to is that. actually today. We'll Joe. get back to that in a second. Joe Biden, name of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Go. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. <laughs> no, that's Corn Pop. Right? He is not on the courts. <laughs> he's, well, he's, he's yes. an appeals court judge in Dallas. Um, right. That, it probably would come off as a little cruel, but I think he would. I a think little? He'd, I think he'd win a couple of those. Oh, my gosh. Quick question, Joe. What kind of car do you drive? I have I the got answer right legs. here. Yeah, I'm what? Not, I'm not sure that's probably a good angle. <laughs> I don't think Joe would pass all those, though. Tell you what, off the top of his head. If if you dislike the Democratic Party, if you want Donald J to get reelected, I think Sunday night could be a huge night. Now, as uh, Lon He Chen pointed <coughs> pointed out, um, oh, he's earlier, got it. He's got it. The Corona. <coughs> there got, it is. Oh. No, I don't. I'm fine. Oh yeah, we 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 left out this breaking news. So there's that oh, nail. Sorry, is that breaking n- news? Breaking news. Is that nailed down? Oh yeah, we got several breaking news. All right, enough of this nonsense. Now this nonsense. President Trump is going to enact the what's it called? The Doug? Stafford Act. The Stafford Act, people. The Stafford Act is going to be enacted. So get your Staffords in a row. Lock them down. 
What's the Stafford Act? Turn them loose. What's the Stafford Act do? It's a declaration of a national emergency, Jack, in which the government uh, can suspend various regulations and rules. I'm guessing. Habeas corpus. An idea that no, you can't suspend habeas corpus. It's a it's a way to help states get federal money without all of the loopholes that normally exist. Can you go door to door and collect guns? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to get the internet going. I'm trying to get it started up. <laughs> the internet oh, is fine. <laughs> yeah, the internet is fine. <laughs> Lies and rumors are just doing great. The internet does not need your help. <laughs> exactly. And the other breaking news is the president of Brazil has tested positive for the commie flu. And he... <laughs> two Brazilian leaders have the coronavirus. How many is a Brazilian? <laughs> and... And they and he had dinner with Trump what day, according to your tweet? Uh, the seventh, I believe. So this which is, is only five days ago. That's yeah. like Six perfect incubating time. Yeah. The president has been saying, um, I don't need to get tested. I feel fine. Surely they're testing him. Well, they got to, yeah. If he yeah. had dinner with a guy who's con- confirmed to have it six days ago, yeah, you got to test him. Now, is that the sort of thing you have to do publicly? Is it better for the president to... And, you know, the whole calm and fears and that sort of thing. I'm not afraid. I don't know. But That's an interesting question. Um, I think the president's got to do that publicly, right? Yeah, I could, he's got to say, listen, I wouldn't make a game show out of I it. I wanted to get tested, but I couldn't find a test. Yeah, that would that would not be a good thing for the president to say. And I don't think he should say, I'm going to get tested. We'll reveal the result on Dr. Oz tomorrow. No, I think he just needs to go ahead and get tested and then come out with the results. I'll reveal it on Dr. Oz. Good news, I don't have the coronavirus. I do have chlamydia from Stormy Daniel. Oh, <laughs> wow. Why do you go there? Why do you? Who, Why did who, did that there? who enjoyed that joke? Anyone? Show of hands? No one. Armstrong and Getty. Watching a feature on the CBS Early Show about the Robinson Brothers getting back together with the Black Crows here and uh, touring again, and man, I would pay to see that. Oh yeah, yeah. Too bad they hate each other. Great album. They've, uh, I think they've calmed. I think the testosterone is is down a little bit. I listened to their their first two albums recently. I've gotten into it again, and those are some great freaking albums. Oh yeah. You would have thought when that first album came out, that, well, they're the new Rolling Stones or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They, they hate each other, so they can't. They can't I don't do know it. too much about their strife, but that, were they kind of like a, a pre-version of the Oasis thing, just a wildly popular band that just family sure. shoots got in the way? Or if you want to go back to the uh, Davis Brothers with the Kinks, yeah, it's just similar ages. Wow, with each other all the time, and just didn't quite get along. Actually, uh, there are a couple of brothers in Dire Straits. It's one of the reasons Dire Straits will never reconcile. Is the uh, the bros don't get along. Drugs was part of it, Hanson? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Drugs is often part yeah. of conflict. Mm-hmm. Don't do the drugs, kids, I- I- unless the doctor prescribes it to you for the coronavirus. Back to that. Uh, boy, are we getting a ton of emails, various perspectives from uh, from this one. Uh, Dave says, I hope with all my heart the coronavirus affects all of the self-righteous, entitled bums and junkies in my city. Not that I want them to die, but I'd love for them to feel some kind of disruption in their never-ending hands out. Just the handouts. Just a little dose of consequence for being a worthless piece of crap would make me so happy. I'm surprised there haven't been more uh, conversations around the whole homeless issue on this. 
Uh, give it a week. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll get there. And then you got Mike in Montana. I'm sad to report that toilet paper hoarding is even happening in Montana. I'd hope we were more self-sufficient than that, but it takes all types, doesn't it? Anyway, Stop I, buying extra toilet paper. If we would all come together on that, yes. we'd have plenty. We've got a supply chain of toilet paper thing in place that we've had for centuries. Plenty of it's always there. Yes. We're if not we, the Soviet Union. If you don't buy more than you need, there will be plenty for everybody. If, I tell you what, if you have to poo and you run out, you can come to my place. E- email me, I'll give you the address. Joe is inviting that. listeners to crap at his house. <laughs> wow. What is that? Unprecedented sign of, uh, of charity. <laughs> uh, have you ever read the Bible? Wow. I have. Wow. Uh, Mike in Montana goes on to say, anyway, I've uh, found a new way to entertain myself while on weekly shopping excursions. When I walk past a cart filled with bottled water, cleaning supplies, and and toilet paper, I start sneezing and coughing. The reaction is great and varies from indignant scowls <laughs> to sheer terror. Oh, it's so much fun. I might start shopping twice a week. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. Uh, thanks, Mike. We appreciate the note. That's funny. Uh, let's see. Oh, hey. Uh, he signs off A to the J. Please. We're, we're middle-aged white people. We don't we don't talk like that. Guys, if there's some kind of magic people spacing rule to save us from the Wuhan virus, then instead of canceling events, why don't we just have people sitting every few seats apart? Hmm. It's not reasonable, at least interesting enough to try. Imagine the awkwardness all around. Uh, could apply to talk shows and, and whatever, and uh, late-night comics. Yeah, just sell every fifth seat at a basketball game. Well, I, I think I heard in a press conference yesterday in California, they were, I don't know if it's implemented yet, but they were exploring the idea of if your capacity is 500, your new capacity is 250, and you can only sell up to half capacity mm. now. And, yeah. And then spread people out and give people kind of their personal bubbles. Reduce density. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I, I I have to admit, there's part of me, especially looking at the the nightmare of Italy, and I don't want to bring you down or anything, but um, the idea of people who would absolutely survive if they could get a ventilator dying because they're running out of ventilators, it's it's tragic. It's absolutely terrible, and we want to avoid that. So, you know, an excess of caution is probably hey, just fine. This is This is probably pretty important. So Ian Bremmer just tweeted this out. The the president of uh, Brazil is now saying his test is negative after it was reported a number of different places that his test was positive. So oh, right. maybe he that got confused ha- with that whole, I'm sorry, Jim, the test came up negative. Oh, my God. Oh, it's, no. It's like the George Costanza thing. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and I have been confused by that myself. But That's uh, a, what is that now, a 35-year-old reference? 30-year-old, the Costanza thing? Yeah, no, you're right. 20-something. I'm barely older than 90s, 35. 90s, yeah, 20. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But it is a 20-year-old right. Old reference. Right. Well, yeah. As Milton Berle used to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, duh. Anyway, it was rerun- it In reruns, it lives on forever, Jack. What were you going to say? Um, this doesn't help with the conspiracy theories, of course, because quite possible somebody would get in the ear of the president of Brazil. No, 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 no. You did not just say you tested positive for coronavirus and had dinner with Trump a week ago. Did you? I uh, guess not. I guess not. Never mind. I meant I don't have it. That's what I meant to say. So will this cause a 40% drop in people attending those Brazilian steakhouses? <laughs> 
like that idiotic story about Corona beer. I was going to get a Brazilian wax this afternoon, but I'm going to stay hairy. It's Friday already. I prefer. I prefer not. You don't have cheese. That joke was good until you cheese. Why? Gosh, dang it! Nobody wants to hear that. There's so much noise in the modern world. You have to punch through. My, yeah, yeah. Punch somebody else. Michael, transition music, please. I need that. Just please. <laughs> So Anderson Cooper had Dr. Fauci on yesterday, uh, according to Rich in beautiful green Oregon. First question, who should America trust, President Trump or you? Are you kidding? Yeah. That's Anderson. A, that's a, an attempt to set up a, an exciting oh, media moment. You're better than that. And he actually is. That's pathetic. And Dr. Fauci looked at him like, What? And then went on and, and, and talked about things in reasonable terms. Um, oh, and, and indeed said, yeah, the travel restriction from Europe was a good idea. It was a very good idea. Which is and interesting. Anderson looked, and then ignored it. I've been so, impressed uh, with this Fauci guy. He's oh, yeah. as sharp as yeah. can be. Yeah. So Trump has announced the, the Stafford Act or whatever is going into effect? Invoking the Stafford Act, Jack. I've seen that reported from one place. Have you guys seen mm-hmm. it confirmed well, elsewhere? Well, ABC says Trump is going to hold a press conference. Okay. So he'll be taking questions, so that'll be fun, because the media is going to try to Jim Acosta. Is Jim Acosta allowed there anymore? But uh, somebody will attempt to get something going like that. So, yeah, I, I'm not Very in safe. favor of the CDC smearing Jim Acosta with coronavirus. Oh, I am. Hold what him down. It? Put it in his eyes. <laughs> again. Right in the oh, eyes. Oh, again, folks. I need to apologize for my co-host. He's out of control today. <laughs> 